While Alien 3 receives passionate debate, Alien Resurrection just tends to be dismissed. Which is a shame because there's definitely plenty worth discussing. So join us for Alien Day as we explore the themes, characters and design of the franchise's weirder fourth entry. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. It is Alien Day when this goes out for everyone. A Alien Day 2023 and it's become a yearly tradition on Alien Day to do an, a movie in the Alien franchise and this is our fourth Alien Day on the show so we're here today to talk about Alien Resurrection. Meaning we only have two left, actually, after this. <laughs> so Yeah, because we already did the AVP movies. Yeah, so, I mean, I, 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 beyond that point, because it's not like we're going to wait till Alien Day if they release a new Alien movie in the summer. We'll just do it when it comes out. Which, yeah. But also, if they end up releasing a new Alien movie before we get to like, the sixth one, we'll just have to do the sixth one early, because we have to have them just, all done. Just reset. We'll just do the first Alien again. We'll just, just keep doing them over and over again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So yes, it's been six years and we're going back. <laughs> so yes, so obviously we've done Aliens one through three, um, through different eras. I'm pretty sure Tara's lived in a different place on every Alien episode, and we're here to do the fourth one, directed by Jean Pierre Genet. Came out. In that might be exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I was just, I'm just guessing. It sounds plausible enough, uh, but yeah, this came out in 1997, and obviously. We'll start spoiler-free, as we always do, but there might be some spoilers for the previous movies. In fact, I'm about to say one for Alien 3. You've been warned. Um, Ripley died <laughs> at the end of Alien 3. So the title, Alien Resurrection, is very relevant to the fact that Sigourney Weaver is back in this movie. Um, and notably, this is also written by Joss Whedon, which is kind of a weird like offshoot in his filmography. It's like he did this. Uh, but I can actually see some future reading the projects kind of like bleeding into this a little bit uh so we'll talk a bit about that uh we'll talk about how the aliens are used in this the setting the characters all the usual good stuff and we'll work through the movie and we'll get into spoilers so uh yeah uh the basic premise of this one is that some time has passed it's never actually i don't know if it's ever defined exactly how much time has passed uh but some decades or whatever later after alien 3 uh, we're on a military science ship which has been cloning Ripley from her DNA at the time of her death to try and get an alien. They want a xenomorph. And they succeed. You know, that's kind of how the movie starts, is that they've pulled this off. They've got, like, a new version of Ripley that's a clone, and they've got a xenomorph, an alien queen, which obviously leads to some aliens. Um, and we have a ragtag crew that sort of come in for reasons we'll get into when we get into the plot. Uh, but of course the aliens break loose and we end up with clone Ripley and this ragtag group of like uh, pirates effectively running around this ship trying to survive and get to safety. So it's you know it's kind of like Alien and it's on a ship but it's a little bit like Aliens and there's multiple aliens and it's a bit more actiony. Uh, it's got a very unique look to it. It's very European because they've got a French director and he kind of brings some of his visual style to the film. So we'll talk about all this stuff. Uh, without further ado... I shall simply ask Tara the question to kick things off. Tara, how do you feel about Alien Resurrection? Um, you know, I saw this one in theaters, actually. 
And uh, I remember going to see it in theaters and thinking that that was kind of fun. And I really, I really like seeing Ellen Ripley versus Alien still. And uh, I still like it. I, I, I never didn't like this movie. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's controversial or not, but like, I've always kind of liked this film. I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's kind of like a weird mixed reception to it on the internet. I, do you know what the funny is? I feel like people looked down on it for a long time, and then Prometheus and Covenant came out, and all of a sudden this, <laughs> looks, this looks like gold in comparison. Um, but I, I do think it is like a, a fun adventure film with characters that don't feel like repeats from other mm. uh, alien films, and like... It, it definitely has a different look, which is what we've been expecting. Like, so far, all four of these have looked different and felt different. But, uh, that's the, the weird thing about this, is that all four of these original Alien movies, and I say that because for a long time it was the four. You know, it was a, there was a big gap between this and then Prometheus, right? Is yeah. the, the four Alien movies, like, it's Ridley Scott, James Cameron, David Fincher, and then Jean-Pierre Jeunet. And Jean-Pierre Jeunet is easily the smallest name of those, but he still has stuff like Delicatessen. He's done Amelie, though. Yeah. Like, that's a, that was a yeah. huge hit. He's definitely a bit more art house as a director, but, like, it's, it's all strong directors with visions. It's all directors <laughs> who are, like, who can bring their own style and flair to the, to the movie as Tara's slowly dying. <laughs> but to, to uh, give my background on the movie... Uh, so I'm a little younger than you, so it's interesting you saw this in theaters, right? Because I saw this when it first came to VHS, and it, basically I'd just seen the other three movies, like, right before. Like, I rented Alien 1, 2, 3, watched them, and then got Resurrection from the store as soon as it came out for rental. That, that So, like... So basically, I was getting into movies like this at that time, but I wasn't quite old enough to actually go to the movies to see them because it would have been like at least a 15, and I was just like 8 or 9. So, you know. Um, yeah, so I remember, I mean, I liked it then, but I was a kid, I liked everything then, so that's that's irrelevant, really. <laughs> when did this come out? What year? 97. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I would have been 8, most likely, uh, when I yeah, saw Yeah, I this. was 12. Yeah. So... Yeah, I actually, like, my, my opinion in this movie, ever since my late teens, has basically been very consistent in that I kind of like it. I like the group of characters for the most part. I like how the movie looks. I like the set pieces. However, I do think it falls off a cliff for the last, like, 20 minutes, and I hate the ending. So that obviously brings it down for me, but I like it. Like, there's a moment where Ripley falls through a floor, and that's where the movie goes to shit. <laughs> But everything before that, I have a good time with. It's not obviously comparing to Alien or Aliens. Like, those are tens. Those are masterpieces. This is never that. But it's a really solid, just like, oh, it's another Alien movie with some fun moments and, you know, likable enough roguish characters. Yeah. I'm kind of into it. Uh, and then it gets really weird and stupid at the end, and I don't like it. But <laughs> I don't know that I hate the ending. I mean, we'll go into it when we talk about the spoilers, but... You know, there is like a new creature design and stuff, and it, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate the design, or it's effectively creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, we we could talk about it, but I, I uh, yeah, uh, for spoiler free sake, I'll just say, I just the, the direction it went was a bit weird, and 
It's, I think it's partly Sigourney Weaver's fault. I know Weaver... Did, yeah, didn't she, like, say specifically she wanted something like this to happen? Yeah, she, she was on record way before this movie even happened, and they probably talked her back into it because they said, hey, we'll let this happen at the end. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's how they, they would her back into the into the fold. Um, in fact, I want to say, it's been all since I've watched the making of stuff for this, but it's, it's very good. Like, all four of these Alien movies have great documentaries uh, on the, the Blu-rays and DVDs if you've got the full set of extras. Uh, and they're on the iTunes versions as well, if you get those. But you know, it's got a three-hour making-of documentary that goes through all the different bits and pieces. And I think they were planning an Alien vs. Predator movie, like, maybe instead of this. And, like, Sigourney Weaver in the interviews. So when this documentary was made, it was made maybe, like, two years before AVP came out. And she says, oh, that was a horrible idea. So then we did Alien Resurrection instead. <laughs> so it's just really funny, funny that a couple of years after that, she said that, that the actual AVP movie came out. And you know you, and it wasn't good like well i mean let's go back to that list that i gave you a, a couple of minutes ago ridley scott james cameron david fincher jean-pierre Jeunet, paul ws anderson <laughs> there is yeah come on now come on There's... well you know my complaint with that film <laughs> why don't the predators have winter gear yes i know yeah that's so stupid yeah. it's stupid uh yeah so no but i i do think the movie looks good i think it has a really grungy tone it's got this sort of there's a lot of yellow and green in the image and that's very in line with the other movies that i've seen from jean-pierre Jeunet, city of lost children delicatess and stuff like that look it's it's this very kind of european kind of art a science fiction look that, mm-hmm. that it has and you've got the grungy ships everything you know you've got the lighting coming through the gratings in the floor so it feels in line with the stuff that we've seen in some of the other Alien movies, but it does also feel its own. Like, it, you know, I, I can recognize Resurrection pretty easily between them. Oh, yeah, totally. So that's really cool. Uh, I think, you know, I don't think it feels super weedin'y for the most part, but I will say, you know, so the, the crew of, like, ragtag, like, pirates who come on board with some cargo... Uh, the ship's called the Betty, right? So the Betty crew, just to have a, a name for them collectively. Um, like you can, like you can see some Firefly. Like this, this is this is about uh, what the ninety-seven. So this is like five years before Firefly happened, and I think you can see like some of those ideas cooking, like in the brain of the writer here. Like, yeah, <clears throat> it still comes off very European, especially like our lead captain guy. Oh shit! Sure. Who's it? Who's in? Nope. <laughs> Which came out last year, but... Yeah, but I saw Nope, I recognized them from this because I don't really know yeah, them from anything else. I mean, the voice, right? That's the thing that, that is so distinct. It's, it's very distinct. Um, but, like, I, you know, like Ron Perlman's character feels kind of like a, he's a little Jane, you know? Like, there's, there's a little bit of a comparison to be made there. Um, so, you know, there's, the, I, I, I can definitely see where some of this comes. But obviously, uh, Whedon typically, like, when he directs his own writing, it, you sort of get his voice coming really through, and obviously this is filtered through someone else. This is this is Jean-Pierre Genet's take on his script. So. Yeah, there's not a lot of comedy in this, too. Uh, which is I mean, sort of Whedon's signature thing, right? Yeah. There's, there's little bits of it, of course, but not, yeah, not a great t- ton of it. It's, it's mostly... It's mostly a pretty played straight action horror sci-fi movie for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, 
but yeah, it, 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 like you said though, I, I think you made a great point where the characters don't feel like a repeat of the pre- like you're the the first movie. It's the the truckers in space. It's just the people who haul you know haul cargo across yep. the cosmos. Blue collar, right? Yeah. Second movie, Colonial <laughs> Marines. Third movie, Prisoners. Fourth movie. Yeah, you've got space pirates, like you know, yeah, smugglers or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's like a very different group of people in each movie, and I think that that benefits all four of them considerably. Uh, you know, so I mean, arguably the group in AVP are a little different, but they're still kind of going for aliens, like in setup. Ah, uh, I don't really remember that movie. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I I do, unfortunately. Uh. But you know, because you know, they've got the military guys going in with the scientists, but it's it definitely feels like it's aiming more for aliens again, uh, which is one of my complaints a lot with like modern sequels and stuff is that it feels that like they're too concerned with recreating the previous movies rather than you know doing something interesting with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, not not which is not to say that this movie does like this does not break the mold, but it it has a different enough setting and characters like set that it's like oh no, it still feels unique amongst the, the franchise up to this I, point i do think it's weird that there's like an underwater level in this movie in space i, I thought that was kind of a a forced thing that i that i don't know made me laugh like why is this happening like i know the first movie the ship was had a lot of condensation it was super drippy but this one has like a poseidon adventure 20 minute scene <laughs> I, I don't know it's, about this it's it feels big... strange in space it's the big set piece. I don't think it feels strange. I don't know if I agree with that. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it says something about the, the cooling systems like leaking or whatever. There's a line, which obviously, yeah, they just wanted to have the big underwater set piece, but it doesn't feel that far-fetched to me. Yeah, it seemed a bit strange that there would be so much water on this that it would flood like three decks. I feel like a ship like this would be carrying a lot of water. They kind of need it for a lot of different things. Okay, maybe. But it, it just feels like we we want to have an underwater scene in this, but we're in space. So we'll write a line that says, oh, it's from the coolant. But like, <laughs> I, I, it, it it, it's not enough for me. <laughs> I don't think this is that weird. I, honestly, like, obviously it's not meant to be out in the open like this it's not meant to just be filling up places so like it's not like they ever say there's a risk that it'll flood the entire ship like they're it's basically already like reached whatever height it's going to reach right yeah i guess this same year as titanic maybe they're trying to like maybe they know about cameron's work i mean i don't know it's a fox movie as well so i don't know if that would that feels a bit weird it does. Uh, I, I know. I, I, I don't know. This I is just one of your weird complaints. Like, I, don't, I don't get this. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. It stood out to me because I'm like, but they're in space. Like, why is there so much freaking water? <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is, this is this is the Predator winter gear all over again. Is Why is there so much? Because they need water to drink and clean and wash. And the ship probably uses it for other things as well. Yeah. It, yeah. Famously very hot in space. So. Hey, it's a, it's a military ship. Maybe there's a swimming pool. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think that's that weird to suggest. <laughs> a swimming pool in space. Seems silly. Why is that a weird idea? This is a world that has ships that, like, like, they have hotels in space. You don't think they have swimming pools? No. What do you mean, no? Of course they do. Why wouldn't they? What if, what if the gravity goes out or something? 
That'd be such a big mess. <laughs> Do you know if the gravity goes? Like the, everything, the gravity is, everything runs off electricity. Like you'd want to have as as little water as possible. Tara, has anything in any alien movie ever shown that that's a possibility? But whatever the technology is in these alien movies, they've got the gravity problems sussed on their ships. Because there's never like a gravity turns off scene. There's never a zero G moment. It just seems like a design flaw. I don't think it's unreasonable for me to giggle at the fact that they have an underwater scene in a in a spaceship movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's not supposed to be like obviously out flooding like that. But you're saying that you just don't believe that there would be that much more. I'm saying they've got like a crew of like, you know, 30, 40 people. They're out here in space for long stretches of time between supplies. I think it makes complete sense they'd have this much water. It, I, I don't know. I, I think it's silly. Whatever. I think we can move on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back to the direction a little bit. I want to talk about some of the, the yeah, because there's, there's some choices in this, like on top of just the visual look of the movie, like how it's shot with the like there's like moments where the camera will, like snap, like sort of like track in or zoom into someone's face as they're screaming. Um, you know, there's some flashy little moments in direction, like compared to like some of the things you would have seen in the previous movies. You know, Alien Three by comparison was shot like a a gritty drama whereas this actually has a bit more energy there's almost like a and i don't mean this in a bad way because sometimes i'll mean this in a bad way but here there's almost like a little bit of a music video kind of like touch it, here or there it kind of comes off as cool and maybe that's hmm. the um maybe it's also because we have a really cool ripley in this she is like an like a legit action superhero in this one <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that was probably part of the appeal for sigourney weaver to even come back is that she's not i mean the, the real ripley's dead this is not the real ripley this is a clone no. of ripley uh and she gets to be a bit more you know wisecracky like ass kickery you know she she's not she has a completely different attitude yeah she's not vulnerable she doesn't get scared like real ripley did understandably so she, you know this ripley is like like very nonchalant and like unhuman at points uh and that's mm-hmm part of the interesting you know uh sort of viewing of, of this is like seeing how she plays that uh which I would, we should probably stick to the cast as well actually so we have ripley scorny weaver obviously uh we have winona Ryder as uh call her name is the, 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 i will say this the names in this are weird which may, might be a very weird thing actually because he likes weird names uh mm-hmm. but uh, it's hard to catch a lot of them in this it's also it's 200 years in the future from the last film too, oh, so. did they say that? Maybe names have changed. Wait, wait, they said that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they said 200 years in the future. Why, why didn't you say that earlier when I said I didn't know how far in the future it was? Uh, I must have checked out. Maybe I was coughing. <laughs> I'm so glad you listened to what I'm saying, Tara. I try. I, I was probably dying. <laughs> <laughs> Someone checked the tape. If Tara was not dying in that moment, I'm very upset. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 200 years. Uh, some okay. scientist brought it up or something. Yeah, you're probably right. I just didn't catch it on this viewing. But yeah. Um, yeah, calls her name anyway. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, she's fine. I, I have no real opinion on Winona Ryder as an actor, to be honest. She's just kind of... Obviously, she was famous for Beetlejuice and stuff like that. Um, yeah, she's she's fine. Yeah. She, you know, she, she kind of is there. She has the main kind of like pairing with Ripley and that she's sort of really against her at first but there's a bit of an arc and she kind of 
befriends her as the movie goes on. There's a little bit of that going on. Um, the actual interesting details about her character are kind of like spoilers, so we'll save them mm. for for that. But uh, I mean, she's fine. Um, Dominique Pignon, uh, who's like a a Genet regular, he's in a lot of his other movies. Uh, he's the guy in the wheelchair in this. His character's name is uh, Vries. That's V R I E S S. Vries. Vries. So like it's only been a way to say it. I like his character. He brings a lot of um, like fun to it. Because obviously yeah. he's he's bound to a chair, so like he has limitations, but he also has advantages because of the chair. It's it, yeah. I mean, he's the he's got a good face too, so he's fun yeah. to watch. He's got yeah. He's got a very expressive face. He's also got a very like not quirky. Quirky's not the right word, but he's like the way he reacts to things and like yells and like you know get he's very animated and he's he's very different like he, you know he is i think he is uh french you know, he's got an accent and he's mm-hmm. in obviously all these other french movies that Jeanet did but he definitely comes across like a performer who's not a, a hollywood performer and i think that adds a bit of personality to the character in the movie yeah totally yeah uh, ron perlman of course very well known this is probably the movie i first saw him in when i was a kid yeah i was trying to think like if i had really seen him in things well beauty and the beast i watched the beauty and the beast show <laughs> okay i never saw that <laughs> uh yeah he's he's good in this he's obviously like he's, he's the one who has the biggest career other than sigourney weaver obviously but mm-hmm. he's the biggest, biggest career of all the other cast members and i, I think you can see why he's, he's got the charisma he's got the presence um he's got a good face he's got a good face yeah uh <laughs> so he he's he's pretty great in this uh, and then you got Christy, played by Gary Durden, uh, who is, again, one of, one of the more notable characters that stands out. Um, he He's kind of the straight man in a lot of ways of the of the group. Everyone else has kind of got a quirk to, to them. He's obviously good with, like, mechanical stuff because he's got the, the gun holster things that pop out and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, now you've got the captain of the Betty, played by Michael Wincott that we mentioned with the very unique voice. Uh You've got the second in command, who seems to be his girlfriend or wife. Uh, she's just kind of there. Like I, I have nothing to say about her. Yeah, <laughs> she exists. She's a person. Uh, uh, we get to see her butt at one point. That is that is true. And uh, her feet. Also true. <laughs> you see your feet. Foot fetish. Your. Yeah. Your, your time is now. Um. We have the, the military guy, played by Dan Hedea, who you might know from Cheers, of all things. <laughs> yes. Um, so I definitely saw this long before I watched Cheers, but it is kind of that weird thing going back and watching this. When I, when he's I always going to be Carla's ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just who he is. And what's so funny is that he's got a uniform on in this, and obviously he's got some authority. But part of me still feels like he's being skeevy. Like he's, you know, and he always, kind of is. Yeah. But it, yeah, there's like a... Yeah. You can't trust him. <laughs> also, the man has a very respectable uh, body of hair because he wakes up at one point and he's shirtless and you see mm-hmm. like, all the, the all the shoulder hair. And I'm yeah. like, I mean, I'm probably just as hairy, but your hair is much darker than mine, so it's really looking like a <laughs> like a coat of fur. <laughs> it's it's just really quite something. He's a hairy man. Yeah, he's good though. He is he is good. There's, there's a bit of weird dialogue early on between him and uh, uh, Wincott's character. Where they're talking about Winona Ryder, and for some reason they just sort of like they're not talking about women at all, and they just start talking about how much they want to screw her. 
It's, yeah. It's really, it's really weird. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. There's, there's a couple of weird moments early on in this movie that I kind of accept because I'm just used to them always being there, but that's one of them where I'm like, oh yeah, this is weird that they just start talking <laughs> talking about her like that. Uh, He's got one of... Uh, he, well, he definitely has the scene that I remember the most from the film. The scene that like made me go, Ugh, and like <laughs> stuck with me after after I'd watched it in the theaters the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just always remember him sucking on the orange because when he's talking to Wincott, he's sitting just like sucking on this like you know slice of an orange the whole time. Mm-hmm. Looks uh, like a lemon. Yeah, or oh, was that a lemon? Yeah, it's, it's from his drink. He had it on his drink, so he's just kind of sucking on it. Uh, uh, we have Doctor Wren, played by J. E. Freeman. He's kind of he's he's kind of like, he's kind of like the Paul Reiser of this movie, but he's more of a scientist than a, a businessman. Yeah. So you got him. Uh, you also have Brad Dourif as another scientist. Uh, so obviously Chucky, nice to see him. Immediately don't trust him. Of course. Uh, and then the last notable person would be Raymond Cruz as sort of basically he's just, he's basically just one of the military, but he ends up being kind of prominent because he sticks around with the crew. Um, most people will know him now from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, he plays a recurring character on those two shows. Uh, if I, I remember watching this like four or five years ago, seeing him and going, "Holy shit, that's the because I you know I never knew him from anything else." So it was like a, I was like a rediscovery seeing him in this and be like, holy shit. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. So a, a relatively interesting cast, I, I would say. Yeah. And there was a, a face that we recognized uh, watching another movie where oh, yeah? it's a character that shows up like halfway through this. Oh, is this Purvis? He's got like the really gaunt face and the glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Purvis, yeah. Leland yeah. Arser. What's he from? Um, I don't remember offhand, but I remember we were we were like, "What's this guy from?" Like he looks familiar, and we looked it up, and it was oh, Alien right. Resurrection, and we immediately were like, "Oh, it's that guy." <laughs> uh, I'll just have a quick look at his IMDb page. Just get oh, he's in Seven, and he's in Taken, apparently. <laughs> but obviously, this would be a sci-fi movie. Cause... Yeah, we probably would have seen him in a sci-fi thing. Yeah. Oh, the dude's got a lot of credits. To be fair, he's been on a lot of TV episodes, so fair play to him. Oh, actually. Could have been a Trek episode. I don't think it's a Trek episode. Adequately. <laughs> Adequately. Well, you and I don't... I mean, we only watch New Trek together, so... Well, that's what I was meaning, though. I was checking the New Trek uh, sort of years. Is he still working? He's still doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I want to say it was another Ace episode. Oh, I'm sorry, a, I don't know. He is in a Voyager, though. Oh, excellent. So... So yeah. is Brad Dourif. He is Techie Medical Assistant Number 1 and Independence Day. I don't it... know that that's what we recognized. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. Oh, it was in a Deep Space Nine episode as well. Ooh. Oh, probably yeah. an alien. Yeah. He was in an episode of Cheers. Holy shit, it's like a whole shared universe. Everything's coming together. <laughs> okay, I didn't see anything else. So, okay. uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> and Maybe if there's something I've missed, then you know people can tell us in the comments. But, uh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of left him out. Not because I thought even mentioning him was a spoiler, but just because I, I didn't know how to describe him without spoiling. Because, like, he's, he's got one thing that's important about him. <laughs> he shows up, like, halfway through. But yeah. he makes a mark, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, like, it's an interesting cast of characters uh, that I mostly enjoy. There is a couple that are basically 
just there to be killed and hopefully uh i didn't make it too obvious which ones those are <laughs> as i was reading those out but uh you know like, i think there's a lot of practical sets um there you know on, on the visual effects side of things this is actually the first movie with cg aliens in it uh well kind of three did yeah kinda, did kind of have something like that but um i will say for the most part though even though you can tell when they're cg for them I, th- I think for the most part they knew that it wasn't too passable so like they only used it in very quick shots where they wanted to use the legs like moving and stuff like that yeah i i don't like the look of the legs moving because they look like velociraptors to me mm. when, when they move it's like they took the the model from from jurassic park and they said well, we can use this but put a xenomorph over it or something and I, I don't know, they, they move like bird-like, you know? I, they didn't seem like the xenomorphs that I remember. Uh, except in the swimming, of course. Uh, right. But, I, I, but no, they, they don't overdo it, though. Like, all the close-ups to the heads are still practical effects, you know? Like, they're still doing most of it practically. It's only the scenes that, yeah. like, it, like, you know, they wanted to do something that they'd never done before in an alien movie. They wanted to show this wide shot of the alien climbing a ladder, for example. It's like, oh, like, this is where you use the CG. And yeah, they look very shiny when they're CG, but they do. It definitely could be worse. Like 1997 CG, I I could have expected worse than this. That's true, and it was technically worse than the film before, where they used maybe too much CG. Well, I don't but... think it was CG in the third. I think it was like stop motion they used in the third movie. Really? Yeah, I don't think it was CG. I remember it looked really, really bad. Oh no, I, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I thought it was just early CG and it just really looked, was not ready for the the movie was not uh, they didn't have Stan Winston or whoever was doing the uh, who did the who did the effects for for three no for uh, Jurassic Park for computer was oh, it just uh, ILM ILM yeah well Stan Winston I think worked in Jurassic Park as well he did the oh I see he did the practical side yeah I'm yeah that's true um but i i think the the effects are but because everything else looks great i think like the actual the practical aliens look good mm-hmm. and slimy um the set looks great the sets look good yeah the ships look fantastic there's a lot of miniature work still um there's a whole section in the big making of documentary about the miniatures that's longer th- it's actually longer than the digital effects like mm-hmm. segment which is saying something because obviously these days that would not happen <laughs> right uh, the digital effects segment would be like five hours long and then everything else would be crammed into an hour. Sad though, because that's why everything that we love. <laughs> I know. We love model work, you know, it always looks good. It does, it does look great. And it does look pretty great in this movie still. Uh, yeah. Still using a lot of the true and try techniques with a little bit of modern stuff, but mostly try and try. Do you know what's actually interesting about just how the movie looks? Not not in like a style sense, but just in like a the image quality sense mm. is that see when they released the quadrilogy dvd when it first had these big documentaries and i had that box set that came out in 2003 and at the time this one looked the best of the four because it was the newest because it was mm-hmm. from 1997 and what's funny is that when they remastered stuff for blu-ray and they did the 4k scans and all the rest of it is that all of a sudden this one looked the worst and the reason for that is because the other three got like these remasters because they were older so Alien and Aliens especially look phenomenal. Like the modern prints you can get of them, uh, if you if you buy any of the modern versions of them, they look stunning. 
and this movie looks very soft by comparison mm-hmm. <laughs> uh just because they thought oh we don't need to do any work to that but it actually looks the worst of them now from a, an image quality perspective yeah that's interesting uh so i'll be very curious though because uh aliens alien 3 and alien resurrection have not switched to 4k yet uh, so i'll be curious to see what it looks like when the eventual 4k upgrade happens but not, not yeah. really bad, but it just, you know, like compared to like Alien and Aliens that look just stunning now, uh, if, you, if you go and watch them. So, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we get into uh, the spoilers? Um, I think this movie has like a lot of memorable scenes in it. Mm-hmm. So like I, like, I know people don't like this one very much, but like there's some really great deaths in this movie. There's a couple like really good ones, yeah. There's one towards the end that I really like. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like really clever use of like uh of of just like being industrious on how to kill something if you're a xenomorph or if you're like a human trying to kill something. Like I don't know, like it, there's a lot of cleverness to to the setups. Yeah, that, you know, that kind of stick with me after the film. As as much as you uh, wanted to debate it a little bit, like obviously everyone remembers the water section because it's a very standout set piece. You know, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the make it off stuff having a big section on like, oh, we had this big set. There was a tank, and they're you know filling it with water, and you know all, all the things they have to go through to film a sequence like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I always remember like you know the lab scene. I won't say what happens in it yet, but there's like a lab scene with like uh like the failed clone attempts. Uh, oh that yeah, always, yeah. I always remember that from this movie. It's very I al- disturbing. <laughs> I always remember the basketball uh scene. Yeah, that one could be cringe, but I don't know. I don't mind it. I think it's kind of like a fun thing to have in the film. I, I like it. There is one moment on it though that that, that is kind of weird now that I'm watching it with adult eyes. Where I'm like, oh, we'll we'll talk about it because we're about to get into spoilers. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So, full spoilers for Alien Resurrection. You have been warned, uh, and we'll we'll get going. Yeah, the the opening segments of the movie uh, are are basically you know Ripley's been operated on. They've cloned her. They take out the alien queen, and they're like, hey, she's still alive. Um, and part of that's because through this cloning process, like she ha- you know, she's not just purely human. But you know, we find out quite quickly that she's got acid for blood. Like, like the aliens, right? Maybe not as strong, but it is there. So it's like she's a little bit alien. She's a little bit mm-hmm. xenomorph. She's got, some, there's been some crossover in the DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. When we see the failed attempts later, it's like, oh shit, they went through a lot of monstrosities to get to this stage. Yes. <laughs> well, you see her, like she, right away, she gets a tattoo on her arm and it is technically an eighth. So she's probably the eighth one. Mm. Um, but I, it, it, you don't know that it's an eight right away, you know, because it's just two blocks on top well, of each other. Actually, it could be an eight, could be something else. Later on, the lab she goes in that's got all the failed experiments is room seven. So I got the impression from that that she's like from the eighth batch rather than the eight. Mm. Like there's been more than eight. Like there's been, you know, several, uh, you know, of each number. <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, which is really dark and sinister. But I mean, that whole scene is very dark. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we see her kind of, like, training to learn things again. Um, Brad Dourif seems more sympathetic of the two scientists that are kind of, like, are featured, because Ren's, like, the kind of the skeevy guy who is, like, it's all about the, 
Yeah, he seems to have more respect for her and um, the the xenomorph and like the actual project and science and stuff behind it. Yeah, not enough that you like see him as a good guy necessarily, but certainly not as villainous as as Ren. He's definitely just focused. Yeah, <laughs> focused on the work. Yeah. So yeah, we see Ripley act out and you know whatever, and she's like, you know, learning what a fork is. <laughs> amongst other things mm-hmm. uh so but as we're seeing this we see that yeah they've got an alien queen you know like uh uh you know uh, general perez is taking the scientists and talking to them and there's an alien queen just in this chamber and it's like we need the cargo and that kind of leads us into the other characters because the cargo is coming on the bay uh so we meet that crew on their ship um and it very quickly establishes a, a few notable things like this is the thing we're in spoilers now so i can just say this the captain and his missies, like they, they are the first two to die out of all the main characters. So they're the least important. So it very quickly transitions to like, no, no let's introduce Ron Perlman. Let's introduce, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's, uh, uh, Reese. That's right. Reese. Reese. Wheelchair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we can't, we can't Larry David it. We can't just call him wheelchair. Okay. <laughs> that's not fair. And but that's the thing that makes him unique. And obviously... <laughs> call uh, Winona Ryder's character, right? And it's like introducing them. It sets up that, you know, Winona Ryder kind of looks out for uh, for Reese a little bit. Uh, and Ron Perlman's kind of mad at them for, you know, looking out for each other. Because, you know, he, he basically is bullying Reese by, like, dropping a knife into his leg because he won't feel it. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, still kind of disrespectful, even if he can't feel the pain. You know, you've just stabbed the and man. like you said, kind of a Jane move. It's, it is kind of a Jane move. It... it, it, it he makes me think of Jane a little bit, and he, um, and I, I want to say Call, but if I was going to compare it to anyone, maybe, maybe like because she's in the engine room, she's a little Kaylee, maybe not in personality, but just in terms of like her position on the ship. I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to play that game, I guess she's the most like that, but like I don't think she's there. Anything really yeah. like? No, no, I, I, I think yeah, Ron Perlman's character is the only one that feels like I can kind of correlate directly, but. I would say the overall vibe of what this this you know because they're a team of smugglers like that is the crew in Firefly so mm-hmm. the overall vibe of them does kind of feel like that but uh, but sure enough their cargo is people right they've got people in cryo sleep that they've acquired or stolen from somewhere uh, <laughs> yeah I wonder I was wondering why these people were selected. I've- the me- the memory I had was that they were all like bad people, like prisoners or like murderers or something. Anyway, but I don't know. Like I don't it, know if that's something I've just made up. <laughs> well, it didn't. From Purvis later on, because he's one of them, and we actually get to meet him. It sounds like he just thought he was going on a trip somewhere, and he woke up here, and he's been used in this horrible experiment. So that this feels like it's just straight up. People, these people were kidnapped when they were asleep. Oh, okay. So our like. Our heroes are all terrible. <laughs> yes, yes, they're all terrible. Um, well, t- to be fair, like they don't know what they're going to be used for. Admittedly, it's still bad. They're still kidnapping people. They still, yeah, they kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like they obviously they're used for the face huggers. They they basically just put all these people in rooms with face huggers. It's a good scene, yeah. Yeah, where like they they're all like asleep and like their heads uh, are in some sort of. Um, 
harness so that they're they, they're right over an egg a xenomorph egg and you see it like all the different chambers and i think he's the only one who wakes up and starts screaming or maybe it was another guy mm. and not him at all yeah but it was a scene where uh ripley's having lunch with um with brad Dourif, and ren comes in and he starts talking about how like, oh, the creatures are magnificent. Because Ripley's not supposed to know about the, the creatures. In fact, uh, General Perez freaks out at one point because he's like, why does it have memories? You shouldn't have memories. Uh, and he keeps saying it. You know, he keeps referring to her as a, an experiment, as property. Yeah. As, as, I, I think at one point he calls her meat byproduct. <laughs> Lovely. Charming. Man. Yeah. Charming. But, well, they, need, they needed the alien queen, not Ripley. Yeah, yeah she's, she's just a happenstance. She's she's around now because they feel bad about killing her and they're curious, I guess. Yeah. So he's sitting there, he's like, Yeah, we're gonna tame them. We're gonna tame the aliens. And Ripley's like, ha, 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 you're not gonna tame them. We're gonna to play <laughs> fetch. No, no, they're they're gonna kill you. And that's what's gonna happen, and I'm going to enjoy it. And this guy is like super creepy. He's like, you know, he's eating her food really weird and looking at her all skeevy. Like there's nothing in the movie that says he's a pervert, but I just get that vibe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, he never does anything perverted. He's just got that look in his eye. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, he wants to have sex with one of the aliens or something, you well, know? He'd, well, yeah, he's looking down on her, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's there's no respect there. No. So, yeah. Um, Ripley runs into some of the, the Betty crew, and Ron Perlman decides that he wants to try and uh, head it off with her. He wants to flirt. Yeah, while she's playing basketball. So he tries to seduce her while she's playing basketball, and she emas- he can't resist the tall ones. <laughs> she emasculates him by not letting him get the ball, by by you know tossing it behind his head, spinning it on her finger, holding it up high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and poor Ron Perlman gets really upset and frustrated uh, to the point where Ripley ends up punching him. And this this is the part that stuck out to me watching it this time, is that. You know, Christy is a character, the other member of the crew. Um, he mostly seems pretty reasonable, but his reaction to Ripley punching Ron Perlman, who was acting like a bit of a dick, is to pick <laughs> He's up... He's to murder her, really, yeah, yeah. He picks up a set of weights and hits her in the face with them, and I'm like, the only reason that, why she's... Yeah, that was a really extreme reaction, <laughs> I thought, too. Like, they have no reason to believe she's, like, a superhuman. Like, he, no. that would have just broke her face and killed her with blunt force trauma like this <laughs> i mean maybe if it was a lighter hit maybe just a concussion but in broken nose but yeah she, she basically just gets a little bit of a nosebleed from it because she's you know superhuman yeah effectively that, this is the moment that teaches us that her blood is kind of acidic because like she tosses some on the floor and we see it bubbling and mm-hmm. it's like, oh what's going on here uh the other notable thing about this scene though uh, is that Carl, when she realizes this is Ripley, has this look in her face like, oh shit, she knows who that is. And she's she's freaking out. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I didn't remember the twist for her, so like I was very curious about how she would know after 200 years. But I guess maybe Ripley would be famous. Yeah, I mean, especially since, like, you know, Carl seems to be... Well, at first we just think she's like a like a freedom fighter who's trying to stop the evil military corporation from, you know, bringing these aliens into the world. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's expanded upon later that she's she is that, but she's also uh, an android. She's she's 
Uh, as they describe it, she's a second gen, which means she's an android that was created by an android. Uh, so she has more of a personality than mm-hmm. like the previous ones that we've seen. Uh, which, which is which is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, the robots have decided to procreate themselves by creating new robots. And maybe have some advancements that, you know, humans aren't aware of. I don't think there's a lot of, like, thought into, like, this thematic point that I'm going to touch on here. But just, like, I I think in terms of fitting into the Alien series, there's an interesting idea here that, yeah, the Alien, the the, the Android, sorry, have procreated. And, like, ever since the first movie, the big thing with the Aliens has been their, like, very unique way of, like, continuing their life cycle, right? It's been this hostile takeover. And I think it's interesting that the first movie had this android that went rogue, but then the second movie said, no, they can be good, Bishop's good and he's loyal, and that's continued a little bit into the third. I think it's interesting that androids have found a way to peacefully procreate that doesn't harm anyone, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's... it sound- means they have rights now, or...? Well, no, it sounds like the humans shut them down. That's what they say in the scene. Uh, he talks about how the humans, mm-hmm. like, recalled them because there were two, I don't know, uh, I don't know what that line of dialogue Unreliable. was. Unreliable? Well, not unru- <laughs> Dangerous? Too, too sentient, basically. That's not the word they mm. used, but it was something like that. Uh, they had too many thoughts of their own, I guess. But I mean, I guess you could just describe that as dangerous, but I'll try to be more specific. Yeah. Um, so I think that's quite interesting thematically to go alongside as like a sort of parallel to the aliens and how they've got a hostile like procreation thing. Yeah, that's an interesting way to go forward for this film for the like the a sequel that takes place 200 years because it kind of makes you wonder what happened in those 200 years then without like going into it yeah and it doesn't go into it at all really that's no, the most we get is yeah. that <laughs> but yeah it makes it like for a fan it makes you oh it, it adds some a, a neat layer to this that you can really explore if you wanted to in later films or in like spin-off books or whatever yeah the other uh like just think to tack onto that this thought is as as well as the idea that you know at first call does not like ripley and basically thinks she's a freak and says no we can't trust her she she gave birth to the alien queen we can't you know we can't do this and then but over the course of the movie ripley sticks up for call ripley defends her to ron perlman at one point um she saves her from an alien she you know she she, she throughout the film and uh, even i think call like hands her the weapon to like take out the the clones in the the, the failed clone room right yeah there's these little moments of like bonding between them throughout and ripley kind of sticks up for her i think it's interesting as well if you look at ripley's past she was attacked by the android in the first movie the second movie she was distrusting of bishop but ultimately learned no no he is good and i think it's interesting that here in this fourth movie when everyone else is ready to kind of write her off as uh, some sex bot and like sort of disregard her, like Ripley treats her like a real person. Ripley, yeah. and part of that may be that she also feels like she's not like a normal person either because she's been a clone of something. But you know, you know what I thought of? Um, I thought well, maybe she's kind of like the the closest thing to like the Newt or like her daughter that maybe Ripley has a vague memory of since mm. she has she has she seems to have some memories from being um ellen ripley before so like it could be like here's this girl she's very small she's very young and like she's surrounded by all these really dangerous people maybe there is just an instinct to 
want to bond with her, want to protect her, or something. What's interesting you bring up because the I movie mean, she could be about the age of her daughter, right? In comparison to Sigourney Weaver's age. Uh, like she would be like twenty years older than her, right? So sure, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say though, you brought Newt up there. Is that uh, the movie opens with Ripley narrating and quoting Newt from the Aliens? She, she opens with the, you know, my mommy always said there there, there was no such thing as monsters, but there are. You know, the, the movie opens with that line, uh, yeah. which I forget about. I always forget about that because it is, you know, it's not like she narrates the rest of the movie. It doesn't come up again. It's just very much like there. That idea is like presented right at the start, and then to set the tone, which. Yeah, I, I think, and just one more thing on this Andrew thing, because I'm just done thinking about this, is uh, sure. going back to Ash in the first movie, like, we talked about how his attack was very phallic, you know, remember he was trying to shove the magazine, but he rolled it up and tried to shove it in her mouth, and it was, it was almost like this urge to, like, do something sexual for something that isn't supposed to be sexual, but for this being who's created asexually, effectively. Yeah. Um, just to tie that into the idea that the androids have procreated, obviously in their case it's not a sexual thing, it's a, just a building a new android, but you know, it's an android maybe of their there, design. Maybe there was some deep desire to procreate and that's why he went after her with a, like a phallic imagery? Yeah. Well, well, I'm saying thematically it ties it, I'm not saying necessarily that specifically, but yeah, like, sort of along that kind of thought, like, that's kind of the, 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 the unhealthy, like, he doesn't understand what what he's desiring, and he's yeah. acting out in this way because he doesn't feel satisfied with life. And then it evolves, and no, but then we find out two hundred years later. No, the androids have found a way to procreate by creating new androids by having children, effectively, and you know, advancing. And those androids are are smarter and more self aware than they are. They're you know the next step, and mm-hmm. the fact that the android in this is like a you know, a freedom fighter terrorist who's trying to take down the military for, you know, making these aliens that are dangerous to... It's like the hippie version of her, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's interesting. There's a lot of, yeah. like, layers to just think about. And I'm not sure how much of this is, like... Intentional? Yeah, intentional or, or baked in there. Maybe, you know, Whedon is a pretty good writer, so maybe this is kind of in there just in the base script. The movie doesn't go into it too much, but because all this history exists, it's easy to sort of stop and think about it and start, you know, comparing it to the previous movies. What is it saying? How have things changed? How does that compare to the aliens and the themes that we've been playing with throughout? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the androids in these movies have always kind of been this counterpoint to the alien, where the alien's this perfect biological creature. You know, they always say that, right? The ones who are excited by it. You know, the the scientist and... Perfect. Yeah, Beautiful. Perfect, yeah, perfect entity. Uh, whereas the androids a uh, a created life form. It is completely and utterly man-made. It is this mm-hmm. the, the polar opposite of, of the of the xenomorph. But it's, it's it's interesting to think about. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe it's even a bit of foreshadowing that the alien themselves in this movie is going to evolve as well. There's going to be a new evolution. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so uh, everything kicks off though because the aliens, much like Jurassic Park, I suppose, they're, they're testing the defenses, and they learn quite quickly that Brad Dourif's got like a button that releases like, I don't know, I don't know if it's liquid nitrogen. That's maybe too strong, but it's something like that that freezes them, and they learn quite quickly that button does that, 
But the aliens are smart, and they're in. There's like a bunch of them in the one cell, so they basically just kill one of them. Like they they, they pick a sacrificial lamb, as it were, kill them, and then that alien's acid like just melts a hole in the floor, and like <laughs> oh shit! All of a sudden, all the aliens are loose. <laughs> Way to go! <laughs> you damn idiots! You never thought that they would they think of this. Uh, i mean it's a surprising scene too like it's it's well done that one of them would just be like all right you're the weakest one yep <laughs> yeah oh yeah the, the alien that got attacked didn't volunteer he he seemed very distressed <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's like well, i know where you're going we can talk this out <laughs> <laughs> why me why me <laughs> oh dear so we we have the aliens on the loose and uh you know, at this point, like, Winona Ryder was talking to Ripley when she broke into her cell, and uh, they got caught, but obviously everything starts kicking off, so we very, very quickly were into, we're in survival mode, how do we get off the ship, we have to get to the Betty, but a bunch of the ship's locked down, we have to go through some dangerous areas, you know, typical stuff, right? It's like, do yeah. we trust Ripley? Um, she ends up saving their ass after the captain gets killed, because she, like, shoots the alien through the, the hole in the floor. She has a one-liner. I don't remember what it was, but it was the one time where I went, no. Nah. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> nah. Um, I did enjoy her ripping out the alien tongue, though, and yes. offering it to uh, Winona Ryder. I do have fun yes. with that. <laughs> She's yeah. badass. Yeah. I Actually, I, I thought the... Uh, they don't do a lot with Reese's, um, like, you know, his lack of feeling in his legs, but I did think it was interesting because they set it up that then when some acid spills onto his leg, he doesn't like he just looks down at it like what's that he probably <laughs> smells it right and then yeah he like, smells it yeah he smells some burning or whatever but he, yeah and then, <laughs> then he touches it and he's like ah shit <laughs> do not touch do not touch no i thought that was a good use of his uh paralysis and then um obviously the chair also has like hidden weaponry in it which is kind of neat mm -hmm. yeah which i thought the guy who was checking them when they were coming on board the ship did a really bad job because like agreed I, I know that some of these parts are quite small and they're hidden, but the barrel of this like shotgun that he's got is just on the back. It's like just right there. <laughs> that, is, that is clearly a shotgun barrel, you fools. Yeah. So from here, they're 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 looking for their direction out. Like you know, they've got um, uh, Raymond Cruz's character like sort of telling them directions of where they can go to get to the the docking bay, and they're, they're trying to make their way there. And they come across. We've mentioned this a few times already, but they come across some of the labs. And it's this, uh, you know, the experiment room where they were trying to clone Ripley. And there's just, like, test tubes with these monstrosities of, like, half-human like, alien mm -hmm. hybrids. Uh, there's one that looks like Nemesis his head from Resident Evil 3. <laughs> the they all, they all look like they're in a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually we get to one that's not like fully formed but it's got you know it's, it's ripley's head on like a, a body that looks deformed and she's just like pleading for death she's just like please kill me that's all kill she's saying <laughs> and it's and then this is the thing you know the ripley we've been following in this movie has been very stoic very uh you know badass wisecracking isn't letting her emotions out but here like the real ripley comes out the real yeah. kind of like emotion side where she's like no i have to do something about this um, mm -hmm. And it's hard not to use, and specifically it's a flamethrower. Not that she chooses the weapon, you know, she's handed the weapon by call, but you can't help but think of End of Aliens, she uses a flamethrower on all the eggs, right? And For the alien queen. It's hard not to compare these two moments. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she just wants to destroy everything. Yeah. And but unlike that time, it wasn't the queen that did this to her. This was humans that did this. This was this is their monstrosity. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's there's some interesting thematic things to compare when you sort of dig into some of these like sequences that are in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it ends up obviously with Ron Perlman being like, "That's a waste of ammo." <laughs> is it must be a chick thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if setting an entire room in fire is a chick thing. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> it doesn't strike me as particularly feminine activity, but, you know, whatever. Uh, he's he's not... Uh, I don't know. He's not as forward-thinking as a feminist. Actually, that makes me think, actually. See, back earlier on when uh, the captain, played by Wincott, was talking to Perez, right? And he's mm-hmm. getting his money. Uh, Perez, like, you know, he slides over this big stack of cash and he's like, you know how hard that was to come by these days? Like, mm-hmm. no one uses cash anymore unless you're keeping something off the books. Well, that obviously makes a lot of sense and it's very believable. I actually felt that it, like, dated this future more because I feel yeah. like we're already at that point and it feels weird that we'd still be we at that point. crypto. <laughs> yeah. It, just, <laughs> it, it felt like they were predicting things correctly, but, like, what they were predicting is more like now rather than yeah. in, you know, 400 500 years at this point where wherever we're at <laughs> right it's just, it's just kind of funny to me uh but it stuck out to me as being almost like nah you, you, you've 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 that, you're right yeah you i i had a little bit of a chuckle too yeah like, you, you, <laughs> you've, you've lowballed nobody this. would use cash in like 400 years or whatever yeah. oh dear but uh yeah um is there any big set pieces yeah, they, they must find the uh, the dude. They must find uh, Purvis soon at this point. Um, I'm trying to think of when they do. Because that, that's definitely before all the water stuff, right? So Does he swim with them? I think he does. Yeah, he's on the ladder uh, crying and <laughs> like whatnot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I Like I remember his entry, but I don't remember the point of it. The point of entry. <laughs> No, I think it's before. It's before. It's before. Yeah, it must be around here. It's before the war session. Um, yeah, obviously some of these like set pieces, like you could sort of rearrange them in your head, and it wouldn't affect things too much. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they find him, and he's got an alien inside him, and very quickly, like Ripley can sort of smell it on him. She's like, he's 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 packing. He's packing. <laughs> he's packing Xenomar. Uh, he says, "I can I can smell it. He's got one inside him, and he has no idea what's happened to him or yeah. like." where he is or anything and they're like having a casual conversation about like what this means and what they should do and it's great because the camera just focuses on him the whole time and he's like very quickly just going insane like no one is talking to me like what is it inside of me <laughs> yeah it's 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 very good stuff and he their, their ultimate choice is basically we'll take him with us and we'll just put him on you know ice right, right away <laughs> And yeah. then someone can cut it out of him while he's like asleep when we get back to wherever. And it's like, based on the first movie, I'm not so sure if anyone can. That said, though, it's been like 250 years since that first movie at this point. They extracted so. the queen out of um, out of Ripley. Yeah, but Ripley's like special now. She's like got alien. She did. They did mention that she healed really yeah. fast. Um, because in the first movie, they specifically say that there's no way of removing. Now, although that said, that was the face hugger. They, they didn't yes. know that he had a chestburster in him in the first movie, so they never tried. So yeah, maybe yeah. maybe you can remove it if you if the person's frozen asleep. Maybe you can 
take it out. Maybe. Let's hope. I mean, it kind of happens in another film later on. Yeah, but he, th- th- this guy's not going to uh, make it that far, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> in fact, he's going to. But quit- I really appreciate his death. Yeah, he is going to quite gloriously uh, use his chestburster to his full advantage. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we have the big water set piece. You know, they have to like ditch the wheelchair. So, uh, what's his name? Christy just has Vries on his back like a backpack. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. just facing the other way, which actually makes for some fun set piece moments. Because he yeah, wants. Yeah, it also is kind of an advantage to have eyes on the back of your head. Yeah, but that can all... shoot. Obviously, when they're swimming, he like sees the alien coming, so there's, there's like a warning system there, which is mm-hmm. fun. But then when they're on the ladder on the other side, and they're like, whatever, like there's a lot of fun stuff where, like, he's dangling on his back so he can see stuff, and then they sort of switch around. So then it's uh, Vries who's like hanging on for dear life as Christie's just kind of becoming dead weight because he's he's been injured, so mm-hmm. he's just kind of dangling there. And it's like it's, it's, it's a fun set that they use it. Like it's not just done for the sake of doing it. It's, it's done to. Yeah. Ha- have some moments out of it which is which is fun Agreed, uh, yeah uh the water scene's all right uh it's the uh the captain's missus who gets grabbed underwater and dies uh first no not foot lady <laughs> not foot lady um <laughs> ron perlman's got a big moment here where he like sort of goes upside down with his guns and uh starts shooting at the aliens that are climbing up the ladder yeah it's kind of fun yeah it's definitely he's not a very good shot though <laughs> no he's not in fact he almost hits christy a couple times i was like damn you Maybe don't hit the other humans, maybe. Uh, I mean, in his defense, it is a strange angle to shoot from. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a big heroic moment for him. It, it definitely feels like more of a like Hollywood action moment. That even like Because Aliens, obviously, is a lot of action, but I wouldn't say any of it feels like this type of moment. This feels mm-hmm. more like, oh, no, someone's going to be a hero and do something uh, grandiose to try and save the day. Uh, it fails, for the most part. I mean, it, 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 it does shoot it. It does eventually hit it, but like... You know, it's not just this big happy ending now. All of a sudden, like Christy still has to like sort of unstrap himself and fall into the water because yeah. he realizes he's a goner anyway. So uh, they're all pleading, "No, don't do it!" And he goes in. Yeah, yeah. noble sacrifice. I I do love though that they get through this water. They're swimming from the aliens. One does get killed quickly with a grenade launcher, but when they get to the other side, not only <laughs> while underwater too, which is kind of a cool shot. Yeah. I, I, I do I do appreciate that it's like, yeah, if you hit one with a grenade, it will kill them. They're not indestructible. Uh, yeah. But when they get to the other side, though, not only do they have to cut through like a layer of like alien film that's on top of the water, when they pop their heads out, oh shit, it's nothing but eggs. <laughs> yeah, that's a, nice, that's a fun added, added obstacle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, Christy actually, they set this up earlier that he's good at ricocheting shots because he shoots a guy in the head with, by shooting the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, he does that here with a grenade, where he sort of shoots the grenade up and it hits off the ceiling and lands in an egg, <laughs> and then, like <laughs> all the eggs start blowing up. Um, it's just it's a fun set. This is the thing. Like this is not as good, obviously, as Alien or Alien. It's not even close. No, there's a lot of silliness in this one. But it's a silly, fun adventure sci-fi horror movie. There is like things to enjoy. It's definitely got and, its charm. You know, honestly, as people who watch a lot of franchises, um, in the fourth installment, you're not really expecting much. So the fact that we get something that's decent it is, you know, it's special. Unless you're Mad Max, <laughs> in which case the fourth installment's the one that suddenly is the best. Which, I mean, that does feel special, right? <laughs> I'm sure there's probably some other example. Oh, Mission Impossible, fourth one. Best one in that franchise, though. 
Yeah, well, it's debatable, but they definitely get really good after the starting from the fourth one. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of fun to be had. I, you know, and then here's where uh, like Ren betrays them and shoots Call, and she falls into the water. But then she ends up saving them when they can't get the door open, and it's this big reveal where she's alive. And they're like, "Wait a minute, I saw you take a shot to the chest." And then it's you like, have a hole in your in your heart. <laughs> and it turns out she's an android, and this is where all that stuff comes up. Uh, she's but, got the white goo. She's got the she's got the the weird the milk. milky blood. Yeah. So fun. Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, she ends up like cooking up to the system and like is like doing like the mother voice, and she's like, "Could all aliens please hunt that evil prick scientist that shot me and tried to kill me?" He's in this sector, as if the aliens can understand her. Maybe they can. Maybe they're that smart. Do you think it's odd that their computer system is called Father? I think that, that was... Go ahead. I think that was just them. Like, Obviously, it's like Mother, right? But I think maybe they were saying... oh, Maybe their logic was, it's the military. So the military have Father computers. <laughs> maybe it's just like my, my Google device, where I can decide if it's a male or female yeah, voice. You can, yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. just swap. Um... Maybe it's just Depending always... Depending on who you have less trauma with, your mother or your father. <laughs> Maybe it's just always one or the other, but just, you know, they thought, we'll do father this time. <laughs> They've got a choice. Yeah. They've got a choice. Uh, but, yeah, so... It's just after this, though, where the movie kind of... You know, they're, they're on their way to the ship, they're getting closer and whatnot, but along the way, Ripley is like checking out the floor the grating because there's some goo and she ends up like falling in right um and she ends up waking up and the the queen's there and one of the things that i really like about this segment as well is that brad Dourif is there all like cocooned up and he gives like weird commentary to everything that happens in this section He's still just devoted to his work, you know? He's fascinated by the science of all of yeah, it. Yeah, but now he sounds like a serial killer. And not like Chucky. I'm not saying he but sounds like Chucky. it is Brad Dourif, so like, yeah. Yeah. But he, he sounds like he's, he's talking about how, oh, it's a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> he's, I don't know. He sounds like just absolutely like psychotic. Actually, I like this moment because I was so happy that we got more Brad Dourif to begin with, but also mm. like... I don't know. Like, I think it makes his character really unique. They, in spite of everything that's happened to him, he's like, it's almost like a religious experience because he's been so focused on this alien creature for so long, and now he gets to see it and what its potential is and what Ripley means for that. Also, well, I was into it. The big reveal here is that the alien has affected Ripley's DNA in this cloning process, but the opposite is also true. Uh, the alien queen has a bit of human from Ripley in her. So after she laid the eggs, she started just being pregnant with a like a, a a child that was going to be born like a mammal. And that's ultimately what happens here is we get this new creature that's kind of alien but kind of got like a weird like human-esque face on it. Mm-hmm. And it is it's it's it's, it's, it's awful. <laughs> I hate it. I oh, hate I don't it. think I I don't think it's awful. I think it's a really creepy looking design. It's <laughs> Everything with like it thinking Ripley's its mom just feels a bit weird, and I, I, I like don't know. that it's a yeah, it's like it's like Grendel or something. Yeah, it's all it, it doesn't look like it should be alive, you know. Mm. It's just it's this strange like scientific experiment that shouldn't that shouldn't exist. It's like a like an English bulldog or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like I see thematically, <laughs> I see thematically what they're going for. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think it comes out of just nonsense, but I just I I don't like like so so our big finale in this movie isn't with an alien like a regular xenomorph or an alien queen or anything like that. It's this weird like hybrid thing that doesn't feel like it's close enough to a yeah. regular alien to feel like I'm getting a proper alien at the end. You know? No, because the hybrid thing kills the queen. The queen and Ripley are like, they're, they're like in love with each other or something. <laughs> well, they, well they a... have some sort of connection. Well, Ripley got the queen pregnant, so I mean. And who, who was, and she was pregnant with the queen. Oh, God, it's kind of Uruburus style of <laughs> romance. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens if women ever go like just like, they don't need sperm anymore they just become pregnant like by default after a number of years well i mean the it didn't seem like the xenomorphs ever needed to have any kind of male versus female like it's oh, called true, a queen like true. an insect right but although insects do like inseminate the queen well, but I, I would say the face huggers are the males and that they impregnate the humans or whatever species yeah they're they just attack. like a parasite they they, yeah. they reproduce asexually but they need a host to yes to evolve so i mean ripley obviously ends up running to the ship and getting out there uh eventually but i'm just not a big fan of that stuff down there with the with the alien queen like it gets it gets all kind of dreamlike and stuff and i'm just not as into it uh and then i don't really like the design of the hybrid so i'm just kind of i'm kind of air on this last like little section i that said though the, the cool death I mean, it's death is pretty gruesome. Well, uh, no, 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 it's death. I mean, the kill death that we're referring to earlier, uh, where um, Purvis uses his chestbuster. Oh, yeah. uh, so the evil scientist shows up and holds Cal at gunpoint on the ship, on the Betty, and everything's like escalating. They're all arguing and shouting at each other and like trying to make demands. And Purvis is just sort of like his heart starts beating and he ends up freaking out and he attacks uh, the evil scientist in like a moment of rage. <laughs> Like like a like a zombie too. He, he's like yeah. he's like a bullet sponge. Like he's not being controlled by himself anymore, and he's like trying to get to him, even yeah. though he's getting shot at. And he basically just holds Ren's head in front of his chest, so that when the chestbuster comes out, it goes through his head. Yeah, it, it's pretty glorious. Uh, and then yeah. everyone has to shoot the chestburster to kill. Yeah. To kill it. <laughs> <Also>. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. really great death. Oh, and we never talked about uh, Carl- Carla's ex-husband's death, but that that scene always, uh, I remembered that from the theater too, as being super gross. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, so this is be- basically before like the ragtag group meet up in Ripley, there's an evacuation sequence where as soon as the aliens get free, the plan is for all the military to just leave. They're like, no, F this. Like, we know this is dangerous. We're getting out. Uh, it is notable that one escape pod does escape first unscathed. So th- there is like a group of like a dozen space marines or whatever they are mm-hmm. to get away so because the second one obviously a xenomorph a xenomorph gets in the second one and starts killing them and that's the one that uh carla's ex-husband throws the grenade into and blows up when it gets away uh unfortunately for him though right after this he gets uh xenomorphed in the back of the head and he stays alive for just enough that he pulls out a bit of his own brain and just kind of looks sad yeah. he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so gross <laughs> yeah actually uh when so so they get away in the betty but obviously it does that thing where oh the cargo door wasn't quite closed so obviously the hybrids got on board um and i, I want to say like all the shots of the betty leaving the big ship looks good like i love all the, mm-hmm. the miniature work and all that um 
but th there's a death that I wish that it just it, it, it stayed on it just a couple of frames longer because it effectively crushes its um so the guy from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul he almost makes it to the end he's on the ship with them but he goes back to check a noise and the hybrid just like crushes his head and its hand mm. but it happens like so quickly in a flash that you don't really you just get a sense of it and no more but when you cut back to him his hands just like covered in blood and like chunks of something <laughs> yeah. it's like you just crushed that man's head and your gnarly. hand like it was nothing <laughs> so yeah yeah you're right i wish we saw a little bit more but it was just it was nice you know nice amount of it to where our imagination fills in the rest mm. and we're grossed out <laughs> yeah well even the aliens ending is pretty gross the hybrid because yeah, uh, re really gross yeah. ripley just throws her blood at the the small window in the cargo hold and this little hole's made that starts sucking things out of space and effectively the hybrid gets sucked into this relatively small hole so it starts like all of its innards spill out at first in front when it starts to, it, but it basically with its like outer shell ruptures all of its intestines come spilling out and mm -hmm. then they all start sucking back in because they go through the the the, the hole behind them mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually it's just the head and then eventually the skin sort of goes and then it's just the skull and then the skull just crumbles and goes and it's honestly it's a decent effect for 1997 like it, it, it i think so it's pretty disgusting and uh like i don't know it, it's it's a good creative death for it and uh i i do feel a little bit of sympathy for the monster because it's, it's looking at ripley like with the you know with the betrayal mm -hmm. in its eyes and like and even she's uh crying <laughs> it's got enough that. of a human looking face to where you you, you kind of feel bad and yeah and she's sad yeah, she, she's feeling the, uh, the the heart of this. And Ripley, of course, has lost a daughter. She's lost two daughters, mm -hmm. effectively. So uh, this is something that, that hits a lot. I mean, bit. she got over Newt pretty quickly. <laughs> well, that's that's a problem in Alien 3's rating. Thank you very much. Uh, Charles danced to care of that. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, he danced, all right. Uh, Ew. Wh one of the things we, we haven't mentioned as well, actually, is that this big ship is basically on autopilot back to Earth because in times of a crisis, it goes back to home base, which is Earth. So it's like, shit, if this ship gets back to Earth, then Earth is screwed because the, the aliens are going yeah. to overpopulate the Earth. So it's like, oh, we have to blow up. Oh, we can't. Uh, okay, can we crash it? So they crash it into somewhere on Earth. I don't know if did they mention exactly where they were sending it, like somewhere unpopulated, because that was a pretty big looking explosion that seemed to happen when it crashed. I don't, uh, I don't recall. Hopefully it was Florida. Because it looked like a nuke going off, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Which leads me to an interesting thing. So the movie ends with uh, them all getting to Earth, and there's a, there's a few jokes where Ron Perlman's like, Earth's a, a shithole and that, and they're like, what do we do here? And Ripley's like, oh, I'm kind of a stranger here myself. Um, So that's where the movie ends. It kind of ends in this hopeful moment of, like, Ripley's, in some form, is finally back to Earth, which is where we've never seen her be in the entire mm -hmm. franchise. And it's okay. Um... Do you know about She's the... going to get a cat, probably. Uh, probably. Do you know about the alternate ending to this? I don't. So, is it darker? On the, uh, it's on the iTunes version as well, actually, but on the Blu-ray, the DVD, or whatever, you've got the option of the special edition, which is mostly the same. There's maybe a couple of small things that are added in, but the big difference is really just the ending, where you actually see them on Earth. You see them like after they've landed. And the ending originally... Like, it's like the post-apocalypse, like it's like a wasteland and the Eiffel Tower's in the background, like, like looking shit. 
Uh, although I did, I did wonder here though if this the the implication is not that Earth is a wasteland; it's just that Paris is because that's where they crashed the big ship <laughs> and they've just destroyed everything. <laughs> Obviously, they decided to make it more hopeful and take that out and say, "Oh no!" And because I will say this: if Earth is post-apocalypse, it's kind of weird that they feel that they have to save it. Because like, if Earth is just a wasteland, then why do they have to stop the ship from getting to Earth? And there may still be people living there. Yeah, or they just don't want anything surviving yeah. that could be an, like a, another egg or whatever, you know, getting to Earth where it could repopulate. So I, I think the dialogue in the movie makes me think that Earth might not be great, but at least it is still populated with humans. You know, even though obviously we're in a future where a lot of people grow up in space or other planets because we're just mm-hmm. got that type of space travel now. But uh, yeah, so I, I just that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, yeah. Uh, honestly, out of all the alternate cuts, Alien Resurrection is the one that's just kind of like, oh, the other three have got very different cuts on on the like as their extras. This should yeah. have one too, so let's put in this alternate ending. But that's basically all it is. So, <laughs> uh, you've not missed much by not seeing that version of it, uh, I'll say. Cause I, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, because unlike the others... Like, everyone just watches the theatrical cut. There's no reason to... I watched this off the Stars app, which I have for some reason. So, I, and it was the theatrical cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There wasn't any option. I think everywhere will be the theatrical cut, unless you have, have the option. Uh, it'll always be the theatrical. you have the quadrilogy set. Because, because, like, Aliens, I expect it to be the longer cut in most places. It's weird when it isn't. Yeah, because the... I mean, the longer cut also has so many good things added to it that yeah you know so part of the themes are are kind of missing without it and alien 3 is the annoying one where you definitely want to watch the uh the alternate cut. so bad <laughs> but it's you know it's, it's harder to find versus the theatrical cut. i bet it has the most interesting behind the scenes documentary though oh yeah in fact there's a story behind that one where originally fox made them edit it down because they didn't like all the negativity towards them in it uh but then when they did the blu-ray much later they decided to let them put it all back in i guess it was different management Ooh. at that point yeah maybe so. they're a fan so it's uh it's uncut now on itunes or on the blu-ray you can watch the it's called wreckage and rage the making of alien 3 uh Ooh. which which is actually slightly altered the original title was going to be wreckage and rape but they thought that was maybe a bit too too much yeah that's pretty heavy yeah it's, it's very <laughs> heavy it's, it's, it's still just the movie that's not uh go yes. uh extreme with it but uh rage works rage works uh so yeah i mean i think alien resurrection is a pretty solid entertaining movie obviously it's nothing compared to the first two i do no. dislike a lot of the last like 20 minutes but you know it doesn't really hurt like the b movie good time that i'm having otherwise i agree yeah okay well in that case you can read it that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said before, like getting the fourth installment in like a sci-fi or a horror movie franchise like tends to be, uh, you know, not any good quality. But I come think this is ha- one of those uh, Halloween four. Come on, that's not Halloween four is very good. Yeah, of course, but like Hellraiser four, <laughs> like that's where the turn really that's, happens. That's like, I, uh, I didn't love three, but like uh, yeah, four's four. Yes, Hellraiser four's pretty. <laughs> so i don't i don't know i think for uh for a movie where 
I, I think it's just consistently pretty good, you know, like uh, all all four of these. And, um, you know, obviously the first two are great. Um, I think the first movie is a masterpiece and the second movie is it, like on any given day. You can ask me and I might like it more than the first one. But like uh, it's and the third one has a unique vision. And like, yeah, sure. Some of it's disappointing, but like it's still you still get a, a new sci-fi movie with characters that you like and a, a monster that is a unique setting and a new, unique feel. And I think this one kind of continues that uniqueness to it. And I, I am thoroughly entertained. And I mean, this one has some of the best death scenes, I think, or at least I, I find it to be very creative and um, I've always liked it. So I'm happy to give it a seven because I feel like I've probably would have given it that all the way through <laughs> since it came out. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of like what I was saying earlier is that these four films all have directors. You know, they all have proper directors who are established, who are well respected, who have visions. And three and four are a lot more flawed than one mm -hmm. and two, obviously. Oh, yeah. Right? Much, much more so. But there's still, like, you watch this and you compare it. And yeah, I know it's still Ridley Scott who did the other two. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I know that. But. Clearly, Ridley Scott is someone who needs a good script. If so, if you give Ridley Scott a good script, he'll go and turn it into a good movie. But if you don't have a good script, then he will not recognize what needs to be changed, and he'll just make it, and it'll be be as shit as the script was. <laughs> and more on that in about a year's time. If only Tony Scott could have made it. I mean, I don't know if Tony Scott is... I mean, he wouldn't have done it anyway. It's his brother's yeah. property. <laughs> he, he, he he wouldn't have been the answer, I don't think. I, I, I am fascinated to see what Fede Alvarez does with the one that he's working on. We've oh. Also, yeah. That's still happening? I think so. And I believe we also have the FX show that's coming from uh, the guy that did the Fargo TV show. So we, we got a movie and a TV okay, show in the works. Okay, so we got new names and, yeah. you know, names that we both really like. Yep, yep. Uh, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping we'll finally have some good, you know, pray give me hope. It, you know, Predator got a good movie. So can Alien. It can happen. Yes. Come on, Fede. You haven't let us down yet. <laughs> so, anyway, my rating of this, uh, I don't know if I'd quite go as high as a 7. I, I think, you know, that's me just saying it's good. I think it's just, it's flawed enough at the end for me that I, I think I have to maybe lean more towards the 6. Maybe a 6.5. I'll, I'll, I'll say 6.5. I think I'm happy with that. Uh, yeah, but I think it's mostly fair. fun. I, I think it looks good. I like the characters well enough. It feels like a director's vision in a way that, you know, a lot of modern movies don't. Like, all of a sudden, I look at Alien Resurrection and go, you know what? This has got a lot of things that a lot of modern films are lacking. And it's seen yeah. as the weak one of this, like, batch of four. And that's kind of interesting to compare. So, uh, it... I suppose in just one way or another, it makes you realize what you appreciate in a movie when you <laughs> look at what movies now don't have often. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them don't. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when you see, I don't know, Super Mario Brothers, for example, that just came out. And it's, you know, it's, I saw that today. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, it's perfectly fine and safe, but, it, you know, it's very much a product. It's very much a focus group tested. We had, we had a, a list of things we wanted to get in there to reference and whatnot, and the plot's just there to wrap around it to make it work. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, I feel like, I feel like maybe not in a plot sense, but Jean-Pierre Jeunet was definitely 
Like, he cared about how this looked. He was, you know... Oh, yeah, totally. In the trenches An with, the, with the model makers, you know, the Is cinematographer. Is this his first, uh, like, American film? I think it may be, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll click on his name and just do a little double check of that. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've only seen Amelie from him. I've seen a few of his films. Um, Delicatessen's one we'll do. Uh, as in fact, City of oh, Lost Children. Yeah. The Delicatessen cool. definitely is. City of Lost Children, I think, also is. So, we've definitely got a couple of his movies in our future. Yeah. Ooh, he did, yeah, he did City of Lost Children right before Alien Resurrection. That was 95. Uh, which, uh, if I click on... Yeah, sci-fi is listed in the genres, so good enough for me <laughs> uh but yeah um you know yeah he did a movie called micmacs in 2009 which i never saw but i remember getting the trailer for it i never got around to it though hmm. but uh yeah i've not seen a lot of his modern stuff like he, he's got like a lot of french stuff you know he basically he seemed to decide that he preferred working in france so he didn't really do any more american movies by the looks of it but yeah. i've not seen anything that he, he's done uh since the 90s but hmm. um yeah, obviously, they did it. Well, Emily was 2001, sorry. Uh, but, yeah. So, but no, a couple of those are sci fi, so we'll get to them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our thoughts on Alien Resurrection. This has been your Alien Day special episode for 2020. Happy Alien Day, everybody. Yes, yes. Happy Alien Day <laughs> to all. And, uh, you know, have a. Yeah, you know, it's not too long after Easter. If there's any Easter eggs going for cheap, have an Easter egg in honor of Alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can still get the uh, in the clearance sections of grocery store. You can get yeah. the uh, Reese's peanut butter cup ones. Oh, there you go. There you go. Those are probably the best ones. I don't eat them anymore, but mm. I yep. used to enjoy them. So yeah, uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, let us know what you think of Alien Resurrection in the comments below like subscribe all that usual stuff of course you can support all the content over in patreon.com slash tv and you get bonus content of course at the three dollar tier and up you get a bonus episode every month uh which you know uh, is a, just another movie that we do uh we're, we'll be doing species three next uh, that's what we've got planned for the next one but we, you know we do a lot of the sequels that aren't really worth doing on the regular episodes but you know we'll get to those director <coughs> video sequels in the bonus episodes things like that uh and then there's the odds like better movie like time cop or something thrown in there um and then at <laughs> the, to lure you in <laughs> and at the five dollar tier and up we have another monthly show called the ace meltdown where we talk about all the different movies <laughs> we've been watching throughout the month and we do a little sci-fi quiz with each other so you know it's more about just a movie catch-up show on a monthly basis but there's also bonuses for streams after midnight there's bonuses for collector's cut uh so you get a nice little bouquet of content uh throughout. and i think we're just about to hit 50 bonus episodes so well nice back catalog of those building up so go check out nice yeah. but anyway, I feel like we have more than 50 but i guess that's true it's about 50 yeah. oh yeah that makes sense only once a month right yeah so but... about a quarter of the the total of the regular show yeah that makes sense whoa so, i know wild but anyway that's been the show that's been the atomic cinema experiment hopefully you enjoyed it next time i did we'll be back with Transformers Dark of the Moon. <laughs> no! <laughs> the sharp turn in Tara's face there was 
a thing of beauty, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, but that is us. Thank you once again for watching. Listening, we always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer. Oh, sorry, father at salsa. <laughs>